Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. In Downshift, we are looking in this season of Lent of how to incorporate more rest, more Sabbath into our lives. And boy, last week, I don't know if you were here last week, but Sarah Lee brought a word about, G- yeah, wasn't it so good? Sarah Lee talked about Jesus taking naps <laughs> on the ship while the storms were happening. And I was like, yes. And she talked about uh, uh, rest being generative. Rest is not just something for yourself, but also for the whole community. When you give yourself permission to rest, it gives the whole community and your people around you and your coworkers permission to rest. And that's like good news. That's worth celebrating. And so in Lent, we are trying to reorient our way to rest. And that's really what, uh, Lent is a season of repentance, and repentance is really about reorientation, changing your direction. And so we're kind of saying, like, we're going one way in our society about rest, and we're trying to reorient ourselves. One of the key things that Sarah brought up was the difference between inward and outward transformation. So inward transformation is kind of like how we engage our internal life, our soul, our emotional life. And then outward transformation is how we engage social justice and our communities and change. And boy, um, did you all hear the reading today? <laughs> like, did we not see a great example of inner and outward change? Like, Jesus was like, I need to go up to a mountain to pray all night, inward change, for the sake of calling together the right people in my community to, to form my disciples, outward change. So do you see how this is all just kind of feeding into each other? We're trying to create a balance in your life where your inward change is powerful and rich and good, and your outward change is likewise powerful and communal and, and good. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about inner and outward change today. But before I, <laughs> I get into that, I just want to name a little bit of an elephant in the room for I know um, some of our community members at New City. So when you look at uh, the list of, of folks that Jesus called today, um, let's be real, it's a lot of dudes. There was, there was a lot of guys on, the, on this list. There's a lot of guys on this list. And I know that, um, uh, you know, so many people at New City approach uh, faith from a feminist hermeneutic. Take a shot if you, if, if you were waiting for a hermeneutic. I just want to name that, um, that Jesus also called a lot of women into discipleship as well. Uh, these are uh, uh, many of the women in the Gospel of Luke specifically. And in fact, a lot of people at New City appreciate the Gospel of Luke because it does seem like there's an intentional effort being made to include the discipleship of women. So I just I just wanted to, in case it was like, that needs to be named before I can listen <laughs> to the rest of the sermon. I just wanted to name, like, Jesus calls everyone. Jesus calls everyone. All the genders of people, all the ages of people, Jesus is calling everyone and is trying to name that, like, this is a movement for all of creation. Amen? Amen. And uh, so uh, with that in mind, I just want to name that um, Jesus is modeling something really important for us. And, and uh, this is something that I want you to start considering practicing in your life. And that is when things are about to speed up, it's time for you to slow down. When things are about to speed up, 
starting to ramp up. It's time for you to slow down. You know, this, is, this reading is from the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke, this is the sixth chapter. So already Jesus has announced uh, public ministry. I, I came here to proclaim uh, freedom for captives. Like that was Jesus's ministry. He already got in lots of fights <laughs> with people. It didn't take long for Jesus to start debating people. Um, and so there's already conflict, there's already controversy in his ministry, and, and more and more eyes are on Jesus. More and more pressure is on Jesus. What is this guy going to do next? Jesus, what's your next move? And everyone is looking and expecting things from Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your day this week when you felt like people were expecting a lot from you, but if you were, you know what it's like for things to start speeding up, for your body to say, okay, I better free some resources and, and start getting a little bit better and, and start uh, busying my hands and start thinking of language and start doing, 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 doing. Task, task, task. And, uh, and Jesus shows us that right in the middle of when things are starting to speed up, it is time to slow down. When things are about to speed up, it is time to slow down. And boy, did we ever see that at last night's event. Okay, so for those of you who uh, weren't with us on this online event, we had, um, uh, uh, so it was uh, Cole Arthur Riley, author of This Here Flesh, hello, yay, um, and Krista Tippett, the Peabody Award-winning uh, host of On Being from uh, Minnesota Public Radio. Wow, that was an, it was an amazing event. And I kind of came to do the little intro, and my job on the little script was that I would just be doing the intro, and that is it. That was my job. That was the assignment that we had agreed upon. <laughs> and then, um, so Cole Arthur Riley uh, lives in like upstate New York, and her Wi-Fi isn't that good, and so her computer crashed twice during... <laughs> during the event and um and I I it was it's so funny because I shift in the beginning of the event I was very much like Tyler sit Enneagram 7 energy let's go let's go but the the energy of Cole Arthur Riley and Krista Tippett was so like those of you who are at the event know it was like 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 deep like like amazing grounded settled energy embodied really and um and so chill and so it was just funny because if you go and rewatch the the recording of it which you can by the way the recording is available online um in the in my first intro it's like welcome everyone put in the chat what is your th favorite color when everyone like what do you think about this event here we go here we go and then like th we had this like deep interview cole arthur riley's computer kicks out and i come back and i'm like Okay, and now we are going to, so what did you think, Krista, about this? Mm. Mm. It's so good. And then like, you know, and then she comes back and, and then their interview, even more. And then her computer kicks out again and I'm like, it is time. So it was like, like it was such an amazing, example for me of like what this kind of like deep rest allows you the, the the energy that it allows you to access is was kind of this like deep paying attention this deep like 
responsiveness to what is going on in your body and like breathing so deeply. And I just felt like even over the course of the hour, I was like, okay, hey, I can get used to this. And I think that what Cole Arthur Riley really modeled for us is when we can kind of downshift a little bit, it allows wisdom to come up in our lives. It it allows like true insight and and beauty and art to come into our lives. Uh, Listen to this amazing excerpt from Cole Arthur Riley's book. We were never meant to dismember our selfhoods. She's talking about embodiment. My face is my soul, is my blood, is my glory. (laughs) My face is my soul, is my blood, is my glory. When we neglect the physical, it inevitably suffocates the image of a God who ate, slept, cried, bled, grew, and healed. And whether or not the origins of that neglect is hatred, it will indeed end in hatred. Whoa, okay. So, like, this is what we're talking about, right? Like, it's not just downshift for that kind of, like, mom blog, like, self-care is so important, ah! but it's more like, it's downshifting for the sake of, like, there is a, there's a wisdom in you. There is a, there's a truth, a beauty in you. Like, the song that we heard today, uh, Ev playing, like, there is, like, something coming out of the soil in your life. And unless there's a little bit of a downshift, unless there's some sense of touching base with your soul, you'll never be able to hear kind of the subtle messages that God is putting in your life for something as beautiful as this. I believe that in a contemplative life, anyone could write something or create something as beautiful as this. And Cole Arthur Riley is just leading the way, showing us uh, what is possible in humanity. And I love thinking about Jesus going up this mountain in the middle of this story and uh, spending all night talking to God. Oh, going up a mountain, you can kind of hear the crunching of his path, uh, of his sandals against the ground, that um, those warm nights in the Middle East. And looking up at the sky, just full of stars, you know, no light pollution then, so it was just full spackled with stars. And Jesus had a prayer with God that lasted nine hours. This is one of the ways that you know you're cultivating a deep contemplative life is that your prayer starts to feel like um, like a good conversation that you want to keep going or like, a, like, a, like something is happening <laughs> in you that you want to sustain. Like something is like rich that you want to pay attention to. Jesus was like, spend a whole night prayer? Great. I got things to pray about. God's doing things. We're doing things. And like, it's like an opportunity to connect with a God who like loves you so much and has so much truth to share with you. This is the goal. Like that's like the standard of, of what our prayer life could be like. And I love this image of Jesus just kind of talking to God, talking to the creator and in looking up at the stars and and trying to decide how to make a really big decision in his life because he was about to start his kind of like public I mean he already announced his public ministry but he was about to pull together his disciples this is the most important team that has ever existed 
in humanity. Like, there is no team that has been more impactful to the course of how things played out in any of human society except for this team. And Jesus is like, how am I going to do it? And, and this is where we, uh, we start approaching this concept of discernment. Um, discernment is like when you start to um, uh, talk to God about what the right next step is. It's showing humility and saying like, God, I believe that you know who I'm supposed to call next. I believe that you know where my feet are supposed to take me. I believe that you know who my heart loves. And, and kind of trusting that God will respond in that. Um, and, and I think that's such a great moment uh, for Jesus to be discerning because this is kind of like, okay, ready, seminarians, Athanasius, anyone? This is kind of the whole like 100% divine, 100% human thing where Jesus is like, yep, I am God on earth. And also I'm trying to show you how to be a human at the same time. Like this is like, like, like divine and human at the same time because Jesus you know, uh, the the Gospel of John says that Jesus the, was part of a God who, like, created the universe. And so Jesus probably didn't need, like, a prayer to just know what to do. Like, there was probably already a wisdom there. But Jesus was showing us, all of us, that sometimes we need to slow down, right, when things are about to speed up, to to get in touch with God. And Jesus is showing like, this is how to live in your body. This is how to live your life. When something's about to happen, clear away a night and just talk to God the whole night. <laughs> and something amazing will happen if you, if you open your heart to that contact. Of course, um, for those of you who are new to Christianity or, or, uh, or perhaps don't identify with this faith, you're hearing this and it's like, wow, that sounds really intense, like nine hours of contemplation, like that kind of sounds a little cultish, or that's like a little, a little wild. And I, and I appreciate that pushback, but I, I just want to invite like that there is a deeper mystery available in your heart. There is a pool there that you don't know how far down it goes until you spend a lot of time in prayer. And I know that's true because Cole Arthur Riley and Krista Tippett showed it to us in real time last night. She, uh, they, they showed us that there's so much depth in your human experience. You're not just about doing, you're not just about completing tasks. There's something more in your life. And it's so important that Jesus spent a whole night trying to show us how to find it. Um, and I also think that this is a, a really gorgeous story, this kind of um, Jesus uh, praying and then calling people together. Because prayer also shows us that when you slow down, you realize that you can't do it alone. That when, you, when, when it's like, whoa, I'm, taking, I'm, I'm noticing what's going on in my life, that's when you start to realize, like, I got to start, like, relying on community a little bit more. I got to start showing up to community a little bit more. I have to be thinking about teams. I have to be thinking about uh, families, uh, whether it's biological or families of choice. Like this is kind of the work. And, and sometimes our life is going so fast. Sometimes things are speeding up so much. Sometimes there's so much pressure to be productive. And you know, when at work, if you get evaluated, you're not evaluated as an ecosystem, you're evaluated as an employee. And so sometimes it's like, okay, I got to be a good employee, individual, individual, individual. But when we slow down, 
we get in touch with our bodies, we realize we were never made for that. We were never made for individualism. Humanity has never evolved to be able to be like a, like a little snow leopard that could just be like the only one for a 60 mile radius. Like humanity has always relied on each other. Did that metaphor make sense? You know how snow leopards, yeah. Okay, so like there's like, like animals. <laughs> There's animals in the world, and some animals can live in complete solitude and be like the only animal for like 60 miles or 100 miles, and that's kind of their territory. This, by the way, is why deforestation is so terrible, because like there's only one of those for every 100 miles. A snow leopard is one of them. Human beings are not snow leopards. Uh, we're... we're, we're we're more like chickens. We kind of need to like be all around each other and be with our flock and we feel safe when we're around each other. And we like, like uh, we have these things called mirror neurons that like we're like tracking what other people's facial expressions are. We're watching other people's actions. We're listening to sounds. If someone were to scream over there, 100% guarantee every human in this room would be like, what's going on? Because we're trained to be attuned to each other. We're trained to need each other. And our brains are trained to like, specialize assuming that we can trust other people so it's like you know uh, my partner Brian's good at cooking and something happened in my brain where I'm like I'm just never gonna prepare food again and like now I just like don't know how to make food anymore because Brian something in my brain was like okay that's covered let's go specialize in something else like we're always specializing and on the nights when Brian's not there I'm like wow I really need to work on myself so uh, like but we're we're built to rely on each other we're built to need each other like this person is gonna be uh, the the administrative part this person is going to be like the storyteller of our community this person is going to be thinking about money we just need each other and we're counting on each other and and when we slow down we remember that we remember how we belong in community to each other we remember that we're not we were never built to be self-sustaining solitary vessels uh, that we need community together. And I, I think it's so, this is such a beautiful illustration of it because Jesus realized that while alone. So it's like, I'm pro alone time. I'm pro like spending time, you know, in solitude or in prayer by yourself. But one of the fruits of good, meaningful, juicy prayer is that it'll lead you back to community. You know, like it's like, you know that it's like spiritual practice when like you spend time away and that gets you excited for the next thing. Like I met a nun who lived in a cave for 12 years by herself. And after that 12, this is true. She had food delivered to her, but she never saw the person who delivered the food. Um, she just was like doing her thing. And, <laughs> and then 12 years later, she was like, and now I'm, it is time for me to exhale after so much inhale. Like I, it is time for me to breathe out into the world and build community. And she was like on a global tour. It was amazing. But the, the point is that like your inner life is like a little rev up to go into your outer life. And then your outer life is driving you back into your inner life. This is a rhythm that unless we really get right, uh, we'll always kind of feel stuck somehow because somehow our outer life isn't compelling us or our inner life isn't compelling us. And Jesus shows us like both of those things just so beautifully. I does beg the question though, like why would the creator of the universe need to surround himself with people? You know, like when you look at other um, religions that were, were around the ancient Near East, 
if you look at other religions that were happening in 2000 years ago, there's a lot of stories of like a God or a deity. Uh, if, if the God did interact with people, a lot of times the God was like distant and separate and far off. But if the God did interact with someone, it was kind of like, they're just kind of on their own doing their own little God thing and like smiting people or helping people or doing miracles. And then like, whoop, and then chariot of clouds back into the heaven. And there wasn't a lot of like, and there's not a ton of stories of like bringing community together in a way that is like mutually dependent. Like Jesus was like, I need disciples in a way that um, like, you know, there were other deities that were like, I want you to feel in awe of me. I want you to feel, I want you to worship me. But Jesus was like, I want to, I want to eat with you. I want to have a meal. I want to share life with you. Uh, I, I want to like be in community with you. That's that's the image of God that we have, and and it was so uh, radical at the time to have a God who wanted to commune, because the whole point of being a deity is that you don't have to uh, commune in the suffering of of human life and the, the 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 pain and the details. And Jesus is like, but what if what if I want to, <laughs> because uh, because I love you. You know, like Jesus's demonstration of love is like, but I want to get into the messiness of your life. I want to shoulder the suffering with you. I want to carry your burdens with you because I love you. And unless we understand that love, we will never understand God. And so, uh, so I, th- I think it's just beautiful to think about like this God who calls together disciples because there's something that happens when we are in community together that is sacred and unique that doesn't happen otherwise. Like the creator of the universe was like, I need to build a, a table for people to eat at so that we can experience a certain type of sacred holiness. Um, I love that. And I love, like, uh, for those of you who are joining us on the live stream, there's, like, a, a coloring table in our sanctuary right now. And I feel like this is, like, like church is, like, the, the divine coloring table. <laughs> you know, like, church is, like, we're all trying to be here. We're all trying to do this. We're trying to create together. We're trying to make beauty together. And I love that. And that this is a, a, a lesson that I'm really trying to hold close because some of you might not have heard, um, New City is building a board. Ooh! Listen, New City Church um, is financi- became financially self-sustaining this year. We are no longer receiving funds from the United Methodist denomination. We are supporting ourselves. Hallelujah. By the way, that's a really big deal for a church plant. Yes. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you for the generosity of so many folks who made that possible. Um, we're still United Methodist. We're just not receiving funds from the church plant fund. Of- yeah, you get it. Okay, so... Um, uh, so when we were receiving funds from the denomination, they gave us like legal oversight and there was like a, a stakeholder meeting that I had with the conference staff that kind of like served, functioned as a board while we were receiving funds from them. But now New City is uh, financially self-sustaining and that means that we are creating our own board. Uh, we're creating a kind of our own oversight and, and, and building up for ourselves. And this board, I'm really excited for this board because as a church planter, you know, like... Uh, a, a lot of New City's governance still comes back to the staff and still comes back to me. And I always believed in, in co-creation. I always believed that God 
shows up when we co-create together. And so a board, I'm just so excited for this board uh, for us to be able to co-create together in a deep way. And as I've been uh, researching, you know, uh, for, I don't know if any of you work at a nonprofit or at a, in an organization that has a board, but like, um, I, I've been researching my darndest to try to understand what a good board is like, like a high functioning board. Cause I've seen the dysfunctional boards. I've seen the boring board that I'm not into that. So like really trying to research that. And, um, and I got a lot of advice, some of whom, uh, from, from church folks, uh, about, about the board that I really don't agree with. So let's just do a quick walkthrough of, of some of the advice that I got about the board. Um, I, I was told the board is only there to rubber stamp the pastor's vision. That I, I'm, somehow I just have like a direct line to Jesus and know all of the mysteries of the universe. And I, I, it's, it's my job to cast a perfect vision and then the board is just there to approve of it and to get kind of community buy-in. It's kind of like, if any of you watched the Powerpuff Girls, it was like, like I have the phone you know what I'm talking about with the red button directly to Jesus, <laughs> and uh, and and I know the vision, and, and you all don't, and so that's why I'm uh, why I'm in charge of everything. And so they were kind of like, listen, you just get a board to um, approve your vision. Yeah, there, you know, you don't need to co-create anything. You don't need to like collaborate. Just make sure that all your ducks are in a row, and someone can sign off on insurance. Was advice that I was given. Okay, so that's advice tip number one. Bizarre tip number one. Uh, uh, the second one is only older, experienced leaders can provide leadership on a board. Only folks who are like, who are like really like wizened through time can uh, provide leadership on a board. And so don't even think about adding like, especially like uh, youth or young adults onto a board. And I'm like, do you realize that New City Church like? It's like 90% young adults. Like That's like everyone. So, um, but I was told that um, you kind of have to look for pedigree. Like look for people who are like really, like look for the people who were like executive directors for 50 years. Look for the people who are on the boards of like major companies and have corporate experience. Like those are the folks that you want on our board. And I was told literally that only men should be on church boards, that, that only uh, men should be allowed to offer the spiritual guidance uh, for a community. Huh. Huh. And I'm like, okay, so let's just like deconstruct this a little bit <laughs> because I believe that these three ideas are radically unbiblical <laughs> because of the story that we just saw. You, were you, was there about, uh, about to take a picture? Yeah, so like, just kind of like this, this uh, like understanding of, uh, of the, the board should be kind of this like old boys club where like the status quo, it kind of just like follow whatever the pastor says and that's just it. Like that is not biblical. That is not the vision for humanity. And I think that one example that we have of that is this story where Jesus is like modeling a different way of calling together leadership. So uh, one thing is like, um, don't just choose people to agree with you. And by the way, this is like advice that I'm taking from my board, but this is also good advice for just like your life. Don't, don't just choose people who agree with you. Don't just hang out with people who agree with you and see things exactly the same way that you are. I know that it's very comfortable 
to hang out only with people who agree with you completely. But that's no, or I should say, if you're planning on doing that, then you probably won't like following Jesus. Because like Jesus was like, I'm going to call any meeny money Judas. Like I'm going to call the person who betrays literally betrays him like literally is like the antagonist of the story of christ and he's like i want to invite that person into my innermost circle the deepest circle of trust uh jesus invited a zealot into like like people who are radicalized at the time these are the folks that i want to hang out with it doesn't mean that all of them were exactly like jesus it meant that somehow there is a dynamic there's a sacred thing that's happening among community together when there is difference that that it creates something sacred and holy um and i also just want to name like uh don't just choose one generation of people to hang out with uh, don't just choose one generation of friends to hang out with. Certainly don't choose one pedigree of friends to hang out with. Like, don't just hang out with the executive directors and the people who are at the top of the corporate world. Like, hang out with with folks who are, like, of different social locations than you and different ages than you because there's a lot of wisdom in that. Again, like, God made us to thrive when there's a lot of different types of things in a room. And at New City, even, you know, in the beginning of this sermon, I talked about um, centering marginalized voices. And New City centers marginalized voices, meaning we're putting at the center the experience to people who are um, the most historically and presently oppressed by society. But centering marginalized voices doesn't mean exclusion to marginalized voices. Do you know what I mean? Like centering marginalized voices means that we're basing our discourse off of the people who are suffering the most from the empire for the sake of all of us. And all of the orbits, the concentric circles around it of privilege are still in the room. Like we still are creating community with people of all these different identities, but what unites us as a community is the center of gravity is the experience of people who are suffering. Because... It's the folks who are most marginalized who will be able to lead us into a new world where everyone can thrive and be safe and have their needs taken care of. Um, so, uh, so don't just hang out with one generation. And, uh, you know, like, don't just choose one gender of person to hang out with. Like, I know that this particular story was kind of a sausage fest, but, like, just, you know, Jesus hung out with a ton of genders of people and a ton, a ton of people uh, in general. Like, Jesus was constantly going out. And even in, in the book of Acts of the early church, we are talking, we have stories dedicated to women. We have stories dedicated to the Ethiopian eunuch who was, like, considered a different gender category. Like, we have these rich stories within our tradition already that is saying, like, the miracle of the church is that somehow God finds a way for us to be together. And, and um, of course, New City Church uh, sometimes, like, uh, critiques other parts of the church, uh, critiques uh, particularly, like, what, uh, what we've understood to stand to be harmful or oppressive or exclusive or abusive church systems— not for the sake of like 
Like those bad people over there, we're nothing like them, but critiquing for the sake of us all uh, one day being able to be in community together. Like the reason why we critique folks, uh, New City Church critiques folks for being um, homophobic or anti-trans or racist is not because like we want to do this superiority, social justice, purity culture thing. Like, oh, they're the bad ones. We're the good ones. Isn't it great to be one of the good ones? Rather, we're offering that critique as saying like, hey, I think that there's some repentance to be done here. Like there's some repentance and life change to be done in a racist society. And we're offering this critique so that all of us together can be centering marginalized voices. Like that's the sociology of, of New City Church. That's what we're trying to go for. And, and sometimes the sacredness happens when we gather in a way that doesn't happen any other time. And when it does, when we can feel uh, like we all belong to each other, when we can trust our instincts to, uh, to depend on each other, when we can find rest together, that is what is going to change our society. That is what is going to allow a Sabbath rest notion to cover our whole society with renewal and generativity. That's our hope. And you all are agents of hope. You all are carriers of hope. You all are going this week to go out into the world to a, a community that is trying to convince you that we don't belong to each other. And your job, your holy commission, is to believe in collective liberation, to believe that none of us are free until all of us are free. And somehow, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what board meeting you're in, okay, no matter what protest you're in, you're, you're trying to position yourself in community to center marginalized voices and show that by doing so, all of us will be saved. All of us will be freed. That's the vision of Jesus, that is our hope today and every day. Amen. Amen.